in labor pains. Now we know what that means, um, even if we've never experienced it. We know the wonder, the miracle of birth is coming up. But for right now, we, well, the person who's pregnant, all that person can do is wait. And while they wait, they must live with all the discomforts and aches and pains and worries and all that stuff that comes with these months. There's the excitement, there's the hope about what's going to come, but for right now, there's the groaning. The travail in birth is what the Greek literally says. This morning we read that the whole creation has been groaning with labor pains. What does that mean? Well, I would suggest this, that God created this world out of chaos, out of nothingness, to be a place of community and relationship and peace. But it seems that the world seems intent on returning itself to chaos. Last Sunday during our prayer time, David mentioned about that there had been bombings in three different churches in Indonesia. I had not heard that because that had happened that morning. Well, after church last Sunday, I drove to Atlanta to see my folks. And as I was riding down to Atlanta, I was filled in on the news of that horrific event. It seems that the members of one family carried out these three different bombings. The husband, the father, had dropped off his wife, the mother, and their two daughters, ages 9 and 12, at the Indonesian Christian Church, the three females went inside and detonated a bomb. The husband then drove to another church, the Pentecostal Central Church, and detonated a bomb inside the family's van. And at the same time that that was going on, the family's two teenage sons, ages 16 and 18, drove motorcycles to the Santa Maria Catholic Church and detonated bombs there. At least 12 people were killed in these attacks, plus those members of the family. And the terrorist group ISIS quickly claimed responsibility for these attacks. And not only that, when I was down in Atlanta, um, Dad and I don't watch a whole lot of news together because we differ on some things. So we kind of have a happy medium of watching that show Pawn Stars, not Porn Stars, Pawn Stars, you know, it's on one of those. I had to make that clear. Pawn Stars, where they buy stuff from people. We watch that or we watch the Braves. We don't watch much news. We watch a little bit. But one thing I noticed later on is I never heard one mention about this awful attack on the news that I did watch. My guess is because there's really nothing new about such horrific events anymore. And then I'm sure there was this. I'm sure that all over social media and different places there was all these clamorings once again of how violent and terroristic the Muslim faith supposedly is. Although, frankly, our own Christian history, our own Christian sacred text is itself marred with horrific examples of violence 
against people. The whole creation groans in labor pains. And even after I wrote this sermon, shooting in outside of Houston, Texas, more young people and their caretakers at school are killed. And there's more clamorings for prayer. The whole creation groans in labor pains. And not only the whole creation, but we ourselves, the text says, we ourselves groan inwardly. Look up and down this long prayer list that we have, and you'll see people, you'll read of situations that is filled with groaning inwardly and outwardly. Stories of uncertainty about the future, of failing health, of cancer, of death, of strained relationships. And I will go ahead and dare to guess that many of you in here have instances of inward groaning as well. The world, our lives, are not what we want it to be. It's not as God intends it to be. And so the whole creation groans and we groan. And then we read that the Holy Spirit groans as well. The Holy Spirit groans for us. That text reminds us that in times when we are too weak to groan ourselves, that words and thoughts escape us because of the awfulness of the life we live, in those horrible times, God's Spirit stands not just with us, but for us and groans. Groaning as if in labor pains. Because life is not as we would hope it to be or as God intends it to be. And so we groan and we wait. And we wait with hope. And we have to wait with patience. We have to wait because it is God who will bring about what God will bring about. The redemption of our bodies is how Paul calls it. Redemption, deliverance from suffering, rescuing us into the fullness that God will be bringing about. We don't know what that fullness will look like, but we have experienced a taste of it, a glimpse of it, a foretaste of it. The first fruits of the Spirit, Paul says. We who have chosen to follow in the way of Christ, we've had that small taste of what salvation is like. We know in some way the fullness of life that God intends for all of creation. We've glimpsed it, we've dwelt in it, but we still wait because God is not finished with God's creation yet. But in those moments of love and joy, those times of peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control, those times when the fruit of the Spirit is made real, we know a small sense of what God is going to bring about in all of God's fullness. It's a time that we're living in that we might call the in-between time. 
We have already, we are right now experiencing a sense of what God's love and mercy and grace is all about. We are experiencing it and we're called to share in it. We've already lived in that. But right now, we're waiting for the not yet. What not yet has come. What God will be doing. We're already, but we're not yet. We're in between those times And in this in-between time, we wait. We wait with hope in the God who saves. We live with patience because we have to. Because God is going to bring about God's new thing. And as far as God's new thing, the story of Pentecost, and one reason why I showed that video is because, well, for one, it's really cool, but also it shows us of how powerful the Pentecost day was and the power of God's Spirit And that when God comes among us with power, God will do what God will do. And it will surprise especially us. Because sometimes I think we Christians are the very worst at letting God do what God wants to do. Let me give you an example. And it's a story that happened to me last fall. And when it happened, I wrote in my head, remember this on Pentecost Sunday... It was like in October, you know, when the leaves come down in in groups. You know, you get the first batch, and you have to rake it to the street so the guy can come with the big vacuum cleaner of the road department. And And then there's the second batch, and then there's the third batch. Well, this was the second batch. Leaves had fallen. It was a pretty day outside, so I decided I'm going to hurry home, and I'm going to rake the leaves up to the street and pile them up real nice so the guy with the big vacuum cleaner can come by the next day on Thursday and, and clean it all up. And I had the pile looking really nice. I had all the leaves raked just perfectly, you know, right by the street like he says to do. That night, a big wind came. When I got up the next morning to take the kids to school, there was no pile. There were leaves all over my yard again. I remember, I remember that story. You see, sometimes I think we, the church, is a lot like me raking those leaves into that nice, neat pile. See, we're so certain about how God is and what God will do, and we so want to be in control of how God thinks about us, and especially how God thinks about people who are not us. And we gather up all our certainties and all our lists and all our rules and all our demands on what it means to be inside of God's love. We put them in a nice, neat pile. But God has much bigger plans. And the winds will blow, and God's going to do what God is going to do. If you don't know it, about the middle of next month, I'm going to be going on a sabbatical for a month. If you don't know what that is, well, the church newsletters are out in the foyer out there. You can, you can read about it there. And I'm already starting to read one of the books that I'd planned to not start reading until I was on sabbatical. And the book is called Weird Church. Weird Church, Welcome to the 21st Century. Now, I don't want to go into the book right now. But in short, the authors paint a picture of what church might look like in the year 2050. And how much of what church will be like then is nothing like it is right now. In the first section of the book, the author shares seven different ways, seven different ways that the church must change 
If the church wants to survive at all, and even then, the church might not survive anyway. I want to read some of that. And the very first way that, that, he, uh, that the authors talk about is that the church must move from being in fear, fear of not having enough of what we need, fear of, of dying, fear of, of not getting what we want, fear of the future. The church must move from fear to freedom. And that concept of freedom, they gauge in the context of the story we read, we saw the video of, the story of Pentecost. I want to read some of this. Talking about the day of Pentecost, while that day had significant historical meaning for the start of the Christian movement, we believe that it's an also an archetypical day. Archetypal means um, things like that will happen later on. I think that's what that means. A day that defines God's relationship with humanity in all times and places. Pentecost happens intermittently, intermediately across the centuries. Whenever good people are living in the in-between time, it is in exactly that moment that Pentecost is about to occur. In the wake of this weird thing, and he calls the weird thing the day of Pentecost, the Jesus movement began to spread and to innovate on the fly, and creativity came to life. Even as many 21st century churches fall into ruins, something wonderful is coming. If God is in it, it's going to be good. Much of what is coming is going to stretch our current imaginations, and it will look and feel weird to those of us with older sensibilities. But the Holy Spirit of Christ will surely anchor us in this riotous season and help us to bring birth to the new things that God desires for our age. For all that is passing away, the Pentecost experience offers the promise that whatever else the Spirit is, greater things are still to come. The important shift in us is that we be able to let go of the past and embrace this wild and wonderful future. It's to be filled with the power and peace that the Spirit offers. We simply cannot enter into the land that God is preparing if we are frozen up in fear. Even as the whole creation groans, even as we ourselves groan, even as the Holy Spirit groans for us, we wait. Let us not wait in fear. Let us wait in hope, knowing that God is going with us and God will lead us. May we not live in fear, but in freedom. Freedom to be all who God calls us to be. Amen. Now let us sing.